0: Now let's look at our scripture that can be found in the bulletin. This is Luke 8, 19 through 21. Again, Luke 8, 19 through 21. Remember, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus has been talking about the parable of the soils, the parable of the light, and now uh, we have a very interesting interaction with Jesus' family. Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came to Jesus But they could not reach him because of the crowd that had gathered around him. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. The word of the Lord. Well, some of you don't know much about me and I'm just sort of the guy that gets up and talks for a while but I actually have a very auspicious and illustrious past. Indeed not only that but the connections that I have are I'm the part of a lot of a lot of very special things and I want to share with them some of them with you as I uh, show you my pedigree so to speak. First of all I'm a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution Anyone a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution? I am. Some of you are perplexed, so I'm going to read to you what the Daughters of the American Revolution. It's a lineage-based membership service organization for women who are directly descended from a person involved in the United States independence. So they have chapters all over, and the National Society of the Daughters of the American Revolution is limited to direct lineal descendants or soldiers or others of the Revolutionary Period who aided the cause. Uh, basically it's uh, open to all of those people as uh, well as people who are deemed acceptable to the society so I have made the cut as a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution but that's not it I'm actually a member of some very very famous families for instance let me show you one right here that's right the royal family I am a member we see Harry and there's Kate we call her Caitlin's in the inner circle and And I'm there in the back. I don't know if this Secret Service guy actually is in my way. I'm kind of frustrated with it. But nonetheless, I'm part of the royal family. So uh, that's pretty exciting, you know, as well as the first family of the United States, the Obama family. There's Malia, there's Sasha, there's Carlos. Uh, I'm a bit of the, uh, you know, they don't really talk about me a lot. But nonetheless, I'm a member of that family. I'm a member of very, very, uh, a lot of very important families, You know, family is really important, isn't it, when all joking aside. we Even now, we talk about who are you kin with? Who's your family? Why is family so important? I think because we really desire as humans and people, we desire loyalty. Somebody who's got your back, you know. Somebody who's going to be with you. Somebody who I can be intimate with and share my deepest thoughts who can accept me for who I am. A family for loyalty and intimacy and even what I call synergy. That somehow through my relationships with my brothers and my sisters, my parents, I can become more than the person I was simply meant to be because of them being in my life. You know, at the end of the day, Christianity is about family. It's about belonging. It's about a spiritual family that goes much deeper than a physical family. A greater loyalty. A greater intimacy. A greater synergy. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. The opportunity to be part of the family of God. But the question is how? As we can see from the scriptures, it's not based on pedigree. Not based on genetics or worthiness. It's based on desire and love. I want to tell you, my friends, that the opportunity to be a part of Jesus' family is available for all who would want to walk in His ways and rest in His arms. And so here is what we must do based on this passage. Number one, we have to let go of the Jesus we want for the Jesus who is. We've got to let go of the Jesus we want for the Jesus who is. And for that Jesus who is, number two, we need to rest in His rule. And then finally, we need to walk in His ways. Well, let's take a look at those points. Letting go of the Jesus we want for the Jesus that is. If you'll remember, Jesus has already given two parables. Jesus often speaks in three parables, triplets, if you will. So you have to listen to all of them to understand what He's communicating. The first about the soils, remember? If you take a seed and you put it into good soil, it will come up and it will bear a harvest. These different uh, parables are all talking about hearing the Word and living it. And so we see a picture of flourishing, if you will. If you plant the seed, there's a flourishing in your life. And then we see the next parable where Jesus says, no one takes a light and buries it. Rather, He puts it on a stand so that everyone can see it. He's talking, of course, about the Word of God, that when you put this Word of God in your light and you let it shine forth, you illuminate the world. You show yourself for who you are. You show the world and Christ for who He is. But this third one is a little bit different, isn't it? It's about family. It's about belonging, more than simply flourishing. It's about belonging. Well, let's break it down. Verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came to him they could not reach Him because of the crowd. Now some of you may be surprised to know that Jesus had brothers. Jesus was the firstborn, birth of the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. Jesus was most questionably human. His DNA was human. He was like you and me. Well, after that, Mary and Joseph had several children. We know at least four brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and we also know that he had a number of sisters. We don't know how many. If you read Mark 6.3, you can see this where they say, Isn't this the carpenter? And isn't this Mary's son and the, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? Now it's very interesting when they list the names here. Because they don't list the name of Joseph. What scholars believe is that at some point, Joseph died. And so he was not there at the start of Jesus' ministry. Seems that he was around long enough to teach the trade of carpentry to Jesus, but then he passed away. And so Jesus has been the, if you will, the, um, the oldest son of the family, if you will. And so Jesus goes off and the family sees Jesus doing these things. You know, he didn't really start doing this until the age of 30. He had been in their house and then he heads off and he starts proclaiming the kingdom. And performing miracles. And crowds are gathering around him. And the family doesn't understand what's going on. In fact, in uh, Mark 6.3, which is a parallel passage, excuse me, Mark 3. It says, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. 30 years Jesus has been the model kid. The model adult, the model leader. Jesus had moved at some point from filial obedience to his parents to filial responsibility for the family. He was the oldest and he had duties to watch over the family, to make sure things were going well, to help with the brothers and sisters to be raised. So from age 12 to 31, we don't exactly know what was going on. Jesus was simply doing what you and I do, waking up, going and earning a living, caring for His family, doing what needed to be done. In fact, when Jesus starts this ministry, people are so flummoxed, not only His family but the crowds. They say, isn't this the carpenter? So they know Jesus as a carpenter. They don't know Him as a Messiah or a Savior. And so Jesus goes off the deep end to His family and they go to take charge. See his family has expectations. This is the tradition if you will of our culture. You're supposed to be home and watch over us and care for us. You're ours Jesus and yet you have disappeared. You've gone off. We want you back. And so they went to see Jesus but they could not reach him because of the crowd. See, they didn't come to hear Jesus. They came to see Him. They wanted to have a talking with Him. But the issue is no one would let him in. Let them in. Because they're all listening for the message. And so they had to send a messenger. Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. See, what the family was ultimately saying was, Hey, Jesus, our mission... To see you and to bring you back is more important than the mission you have in proclaiming the gospel. Blood is thicker than water, Jesus. Our needs first. You know, we're kind of like this in some ways. Certainly if you've grown up in a place like this. I don't know how many of you grew up sitting in a church pew kind of like these, listening the pastor, drone on and on relentlessly about some obscure topic. But you were born into Christianity. It's my heritage, if you will. Certainly, we can talk about the church in America. Heck, we even have a flag in the church here, don't we? We are a Christian nation. We have a Christian heritage. Anybody heard the new Keith Urban song? It's John... uh, Oh, gosh, I'm blowing it right now. John Cougar, John Deere, John 3.16. Christianity is a part of our life. John Cougar, John Deere, and John 3.16. He's ours. And so what we really have with Jesus is a relation, but not a relationship. See, we believe that we are the priority, not Jesus And Jesus, you have a responsibility. And it's to me. To me. To me. See, what we want to do with Jesus is we want to put him in a box and take him around with us wherever we go. And when we need him, we pull him out. But otherwise, we want to constrain him, to control him, like his family is doing right here. But you see, Jesus has a bigger message than that. He has a bigger family than simply those. And Jesus wants to engage with the drunks and the prostitutes and the Muslims and the liberals because Jesus has a bigger way and a bigger family that He's created. He cannot be tamed or constrained or identified or defined in such a way as He would be ours. Rather, we are His I used to work in a job where I was uh, a director of a company and it was a technology company that served the real estate market. So every Monday we'd have a board meeting and all of the bigwigs of the real estate agents uh, of the companies would come together. So the president of William E Wood, the president of Rosenwamble, of GSH, of Prudential Decker, it goes on and on and on. And we would have a board meeting and there would be a time when I would go ahead and give my report. So imagine it, as I was giving a report, my cell phone rang. And let's say I picked up my cell phone and I said to these guys, Hey, hold on just one second. I need to take care of something. And I walk out the door. Surely everybody's wondering what's going on. And then as I come back in and everybody's listening, I say, This is unbelievable news. My fourth grade daughter just was named to the traffic patrol. Isn't this fantastic? Now where were we? That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? But sometimes we're that way with Jesus. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't care about the most intimate parts of our life. I'll get to that. But rather, Jesus has a bigger message, a bigger family. And so we, too, have to stop constraining Jesus but rather let go of our family so we can embrace His. To become part of His family, not to make Him part of ours. I don't know if you're that church kid or not. If you've earned the privileges by going up through the ranks. If you have your vision and your family. But the antidote to these things is not to be a Christian culturally, but to be a Christian spiritually. To join in His agenda. To let go of your agenda. To join in His family. For He has a bigger vision for you. The opportunity to be part of Jesus' family is available to all who would want to walk in His ways and rest in His arms. But we must let go of our conception of Jesus' family to embrace His. This brings me to my second point. If we let go of our conception to rest in His, we must rest in His family. Jesus' response is shocking to the people in verse 21. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now think about that. How is one to relate to their mother and brothers? In the ancient Near East, life was family. It was togetherness and unity. The family was strong. It was survival, if you will it was blood it was to the end so when you talk about mothers and brothers you talk about the most deepest relationship and the society in the ancient Near East was what was called a patriarchy that means the father or if the father died the oldest brother was in charge of everything he was the head of the household he was the one that owned all of the property by the way he was the guy He represented the family in court. He was responsible for the prosperity of the family, for the honor and credibility. He was responsible for raising the brothers and sisters to become men and women. He was responsible for His mother to console her and care for her all the way until the day that she died. And so Jesus Christ was the Father. When we hear things like, my mother and my brothers and sisters, we think about a parallel relationship. But that's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's talking in perspective of being the oldest, the father of the family, if you will. Now we understand brokenness in families, don't we? Sin has destroyed them. Just read the Bible, right? Jacob and Esau. It goes on and on and on. I could name ten. 20 broken relationships as I look at my own family the desire I want to be as the head of the family I must confess that I'm quite imperfect I learned as best as I could from my parents I had the blessing of knowing that my father loved me as much as anyone could ever love me but you know his father probably said three sentences to him his entire life and so he gave me what he could and I struggle to be able to speak into my children's lives and to know what they're thinking and to parent them in such a way because life is broken. But what would family look like if it was done right? Think in your mind the father truly was the father or this older brother in Jesus case who would care for people, love the brother and the sister. Come alongside them. Know their needs. Protect them. The mother would never fear. See, these people in Jesus' family, they shared His DNA. The mother and brother and sister of Jesus' family. He cared for them. And so between 12 and 31, whenever He took over the family, He was the father that everyone would have ever wanted. He knew His brother's pain before they even knew it. He cared in such a way that there was no fear in the household. He led his family. His mother was overjoyed because of her son who loved him. And now Jesus is saying, all that you ever wished for in an older brother, all that I have been for my family, I will be for you. See, we wish for a family for a leader who protects and looks out and wants the best for us and loves us and knows us. And Jesus is saying here are my mother and my brothers. Here is my DNA. Here is the one that I worry over and care for. Not in a parallel way, no. But as head of the house. You are my brother and you are my sister. You know I ask my wife this question, what is the most powerful bond relational bond that exists. She said, oh, well, that's easy. It's a mother and a child. And there's a part of that that I believe is true. You know, the relationship between a mother and their child is, goes much deeper than, you know, it's visceral. It's, it's personal. It comes out of the oneness that occurred. They literally came out of her body. You know, the father might abandon, right? But the mother stays to the end. But I think there is a deeper more powerful love. And that's one who chooses of his own free volition to put his own life ahead of his family, to love them with the love that they deserve, even to death if necessary. Jesus Christ gives the most powerful bond to his believers because he says, you will be to me, my younger brother and sister, and I will care for you as a mother is Jesus disdaining his family no he's rather elevating others you know he had his family set before he left that carpenter shop you know he did but his end goal with Christianity has always been about family you may be saying but I don't deserve that I'm a lousy brother or sister I'm not faithful to anyone, I only look out for myself. Why would this one want to care for me like that? It's grace. It's the grace and love of God. I remember when my wife and I made the decision to adopt a child. And we felt like the Lord was calling us to Nicaragua. And so we went. And we went into an orphanage. And we saw a girl. And at first we weren't sure, was she the one? We went home, we prayed about it, we thought about it. But something happened that first time that I held her. She went from being a child to being mine. And as I put my arms around her and I held her, I remember saying to her, I will watch over you. And I will care for you. She didn't understand it at the time. But she does now. Because she was a stranger. A foreigner. And yet I took her into my home. And I became her savior. Her salvation. Her love. I wonder if my children ever ask, will there be enough love for me too if you bring in another one? But the truth of the matter is there's a miracle in parenting, isn't there? Where God gives you a whole new love for the one that comes. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, there's room enough in my heart for you who desire to live under my family. See, as Jesus is the head of the family for Joseph, the physical family, so is Jesus the head of the family, the eternal family of God the Father, who stands in the place of God the Father, showing his love to us. You may feel that I am unworthy. Maybe there's a bitterness in your life about family. I'm estranged from my mother or my father. I fight with my brother and my sister. But Jesus brings you what family was meant to be. And so embrace Him. Live under His rule. Give Him Lordship as your older brother. Because He desires to give you the family that you've always been looking for. The love and intimacy. One to watch over you and care for you in a way that you've never experienced before. Well, who can be a part of this? Who's worthy of such a task? There's no one. But God does call from you and me one thing to join this family. Verse 21, But He answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God And do it. In another passage it actually says. And pointing to his disciples. He said here are my mother and my brothers. He's not speaking to the entire crowd. He's speaking to those who have made a decision. To hear God's word. And to obey it. You know at the end of the day. Obedience to God. Is all about family. Those who hear the word of God they hear God the Father through the Son speaking to them. Any family has rules, right? And any good leader of the family brings rules that care for the people in the family. Not to rule over them, but to bless them. You cannot take the rules of God and separate them from the relationship with God. And so just like I have children, When I tell them or ask them to do something, the first thing I wonder is, have they heard? Did you hear what I said? Pay attention to what I'm telling you. As best as I can, it's for their good. But for Jesus, it's always for good. Pay attention and understand. Sometimes my kids say, but I didn't hear. The truth of the matter is they weren't listening. And so what Jesus is saying those in my family are those who hear my words who heed them and they do them. Doing is about trusting wholeheartedly and obedience is in the context of relationship. Why don't we obey sometimes? We just don't trust our older brother our king. But our father knows best. And obedient children have submitted to the head of the household. And so the Lord says, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord? To walk in all His ways. To love Him and to serve Him. With all of your heart and with all of your soul. And to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. And in 1 John, this is love for God to obey His commands... And His commands are not burdensome. To obey God's commands, God knows that we can't obey them perfectly. Can a child obey a parent's commands perfectly? There's a process of growth. But the biggest part of obeying the Word of God is believing in the One whom He has sent. Confessing. Living a life of repentance really living, wanting to live as a child in the house of your Lord, of your Father. At the core of obedience is love. And so the disciples have made their decision. They've heard God's Word, His call to follow them. They've heeded it. And for better or for worse, till death do us part, they've said we're in and because they took that step of faith they discovered a new family a new way to live a new presence and a new power who among us who is a father or a mother cannot remember that faithful time when they were in the pool and the child walks out on the diving board I can see it as clear as day with each one of my kids and they're looking down from what appears to them to be the Eiffel Tower. And we're in the water saying, just jump, I'll catch you. And they look back and they look at us and they know it's scary. But they know that their mom or their dad have the best for them in mind. You know sometimes I drop the ball with my kids sometimes you do too but Jesus the perfect head of the family the one who stands in the place of the father will never ever ever let you go so hear God's word obey it jump put him in his rightful place in your life as the one who rules over you and he will speak into the most tender places of your heart and give you a vision of who you can be. And even more than that, He'll give you a family much greater than the one you ever could know. That's what this church is, by the way. Folks who have come together and said, for better or worse, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I'm going to jump. And let's jump together so that together we can experience the love of God. The opportunity is there for each one of you who would want to be a part of the family of God. Choose to walk in His ways. Rest in His arms. And experience the beauty of being a part of the family of God. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful that your vision for family is so much bigger than mine Lord I want to put you as my servant as my subordinate as my own little world to care for but thank goodness you don't do that for you have a bigger vision a bigger family a bigger love a bigger place that you want to take me and so by your Holy Spirit help me to rest in your arms to look up to you As the one who rules over me. Simply bless me. And don't leave me alone. For I am afraid. But you promise to give me peace. So as best as we can we look to you. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.